Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Listen in as we journey to some of Italy's most beautiful places in the company of those who know them best, the families who grow grapes and make fabulous wines. Through their stories, we will learn not just about their wines, but also about their ways of life, the local and regional foods and specialities that pair naturally with their wines, and the most beautiful places to visit. We have a wonderful journey of discovery ahead of us, and I hope you will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Today we travel to New York City to meet Dino Bori, the global VP of Italy, the Italian artisan food and beverage group that now has a retail presence not only across Italy, but also around the world, including in numerous cities in the United States. Dino, you've been responsible for opening many of the Italy retail outlets all around the world, and now you make your home in New York City. Thanks for being my guest today, and thanks for joining us. How are you? Bene, grazie. Everything's fine here in New York. Nice to be with you today. Well, very nice to have you. I'm I'm talking to you from Southwest England. It's nice to uh, to imagine you in New York, but also I'm very familiar with your hometown of Bra, one of my favorite uh, towns in in Piemonte, a small town in in the south of the region. A huge contrast to New York City. Bra must have been a place that was hugely influential in forming your ideas and your passions about the importance of quality artisan food and drink. Can you tell us a little bit about Bra, about what it's like, and maybe about your childhood and how it formed who you are today? Yeah, you know, I was born and raised in this little town of 30,000 people that is in this nice area that we call Lange and Roero region that is uh, very famous for wines, uh, very famous for the Barolo and all the other uh, Nebbiolo grapes wine like Barbaresco and Barbera and all the wine that I think you are familiar. But you know, uh, not only Bra, but also Alba, that is the other capital of the Lange where I grown up. I grown up uh, with the truffle and Barolo. I was pretty lucky, but also, you know, at the end of the night is... Uh, when I was an uh, uh, old teenager or a young adult, I had the pleasure to start to collaborate uh, with the Slow Food Movement, uh, founded in '86 uh, uh, in Bra by Carlo Petrini. And you know, when I when I finished my high school and I was at the university, I started to work uh, for Slow Food. This is a non-profit association. This is take care about the food and wine by university in the world. And for almost 10 years, I was working with them and I was organizing the big uh, event of uh, slow food like Salo del Gusto, cheese, but also a discovery in those uh, years, uh, all uh, the beauty and the tasty of wines. I met a lot of producers that at this point, they were not so famous yet because I'm talking about all more than 20 years ago. And that is where I grew up. And then when I was uh, not 30 yet, I met uh, Mr. Oscar Farinetti, who had uh, this great idea of Italy. And uh, just to know, Mr. Farinetti was born and raised in Alba, 
is from Alba, and Bra Enslow and uh, Mr. Petrini is from Bra. They met. Oscar had this idea to create uh, this kind of new concept, a restaurant where you can buy the same products uh, that you find in the restaurant or a retail store where you can eat all the products that you can buy. I think it's such an amazing concept. I like, though, how you are drawing that strong connection between slow food, the values and the ethos of slow food. You were working for all those years with food and drink that is good, clean, and fair. And I guess the, um, the real genius of this collaboration or this meeting of minds between Carlo and Oscar was finding a way to take that the values of slow food and to put them together in a in a retail environment that uh, you know people could enjoy and learn from yes absolutely and and you know uh, we are talking about uh, uh, 96 uh, 97 where we opened our first store in torino and uh, that was a totally different world it was 15 years ago when we opened our first store and uh, you know that's concept and now it's uh, kind of replicated everywhere not just by italy but also by other uh, uh, entrepreneur was such a unique such a unique not because there, there were no market uh, around the world uh, but they were my like more like a green market or like market of producer it was not like a supermarket where you can eat inside and that's really changed the perception of the distribution of the small producer. But not just for Italia, because the idea of Mr. Farinetti was already since the beginning to open this concept all around the world. In fact, you know, our first store abroad Italia was in Japan. And we still have now four stores, but we opened our first one after Torino in Tokyo. Well, that's amazing. I didn't, I didn't know that. But I, I do remember how exciting it was when the first Italy opened in Lingotto, right next to, of course, the, it's in a, an old vermouth factory. Is that right? Yeah. And next to the, of course, this famous Fiat building uh, where the Fiat cars had been made with the race track on the top roof. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's it was is uh, still like one of our uh, main pillar to open in some location they have a history and the Torino's one that I like to call our mom because it was the first store that we opened in this amazing former Carpano factory, very famous for the Vermouth, the Antica Formula that I think everybody that loves Negroni, they know how to use the Antica Formula in, uh, in the Negroni. And then they say after that, uh, we opened uh, Tokyo, was our first store abroad, Italia, 2008. And then after that, uh, of course, we move in the uh, US and uh, we opened the, our first store in the United States, uh, where, uh, where I am now. Uh, that's uh, made us uh, like, uh, like what we are now, give us like international 
recognition all around the world because of course New York uh, is uh, is one of the capital of the, of the world and and of course you're also in London now yeah in fact I was saying then that this was our first one in US but our last one and is London we were always looking for another location in the UK and in Europe but it was not that easy to find this kind of uh, footage uh, in the city because we are always talking about uh, 40 45000 square feet or 5 6000 square meters some stores in Italy they are even larger and London uh, we opened during the pandemic but Italy during the pandemic opened two stores one in Dallas and one in London that is uh, in general all around the world Italian quality food and wine they are very loved and more and more by every kind of customers of course and this is why we continue and we are not done yet but of course it was pretty hard for us during uh, during those two years because of course Italy is not just a market it's not just a restaurant but when when uh, you have to close uh, half of your business uh, during the pandemic uh, was a little bit complicated but uh, but we are here yeah very very difficult times these past two years for everyone but going back to those early days i guess i i first visited italy in lingotto when i was at the salone del gusto and it seemed a very natural to step outside of the fair uh the exhibition hall terra madre where i was meeting people from food communities around the world. I was organizing that, you know, that was my former job. Organizing Salone del Gusto and Terra Madre. Such a great occasion of these food communities coming together. And then to actually step into Italy, it, it felt a, a quite a seamless transition that here we were suddenly within a completely different concept, a retail space. And yet it was still a place where you could learn about food. So education is very much at the heart of the Italy concept. Of course, uh, you know, like uh, our payoff is eat, shop, learn. And learn component is for us the most important. Because, you know, food is culture, wine is culture. And when are you talking about uh, products, uh, wine, uh, cheese, ham, whatever you want, you are not just talking about a, a, a meal, you are talking about a history, you are talking about geography, you are talking about uh, the people that are making those products. And everywhere we go, everywhere we are, we are using as much as we can the uh, teaching component uh, in our store, to teach our customer from where the producer and the products are coming. And uh, in fact, you know, every store has a school. We give usually the best spot in the store. For example, here in New York, we have a school right in front of the uh, entrance where we do a couple of classes a day. In the past, because now we cannot, uh, for, uh, for obvious reasons, we were doing also classes in the morning for the kids, for the school. And 
after uh, you know like dinner time for the adults to talk about wine talking about cheese talking about cuisine and uh, teaching about uh, about the food about italia but not just about italia because everywhere we go we are we are acting local but we think global and of course italy is exporting or selling italian products but everywhere we go we lo- we work as much as we can with the local producer that is mean if you go in the london store you find a lot of uh, uk producer if you are in new york you find a lot of producer from Hudson valley if you are in la you find a producer from uh, california and the same if you are in italia in torino we are more like piedmontese centric but if you are in roma there are more from Lazio. Okay, so this is very important for us. You're really um, having quality and the values behind your products, uh, translating that into into the local. Uh, that is very important. Now, uh, one of the most interesting things I think, as you say, is that these are shops where you can also eat but it's not like just having a restaurant in a shop i'm thinking again of lingotto where you can see the butcher the macellaio and and opposite the butcher you can sit down at a table and eat a bistecca or a tagliata or you can go downstairs to where the bakery is and have a pizza where the bread is being baked and and the these eating outlets in Lingotto certainly are dotted around the shop. It's very, very exciting to be able to actually see the raw material and then to taste it, to have chefs prepare it for you, the fish from the fish um, area again being prepared. Is that concept something you try to bring is whenever possible? Yeah, the concept is more or less the same, but as I say before, everywhere we go, we have the same philosophy, but we, have, we adapt a little bit more depending which country we are. Of course, when you are abroad in Italia, you, you became a little bit more a restaurant than a retailer. Just because usually when you are in a country, the people uh, tend to eat first before cooking at home. Mm-hmm. And even for us, those restaurants are more or less the same. For example, in New York, we dedicate an entire restaurant just to the fresh pasta. Okay. We call it pastaio, where every day our chef, they are making fresh pasta in front of you. And when you sit, you just eat pasta. And if you want, at night, we do the classes for you to learn how to make the fresh pasta with the flour from... Uh, uh, the semolina from Italia, or the organic one, or if you don't want to cook, you don't want to make it at home, there is the pastificio, the little pastificio, fresh pasta, right next to you. And uh, we have, of course, uh, the meat restaurant, but a little different than what uh, you remember in, uh, in Italia, but it's more like, uh, uh, let's say, like a steakhouse. Because in US... Uh, even because you cannot export meat from Europe, it's not allowed to export meat from Europe in US. I'm talking about US right now. And you need to select the best local producer. But as you know, the meat in the way they, they raise the meat in US is different than the Piemontese one. But let's say the concept and the, 
and the philosophy is the same. Glid, glid, uh, clean, good and fair everywhere. And uh, every time we try to also to open a new concept. And if the concepts are working well, we extend those in every restaurant. For example, in, uh, in uh, Los Angeles, we open this beautiful rooftop because the weather is amazing. We call Terra. And over there, there is a huge grill and every product from the herd, from the Terra, they are grilled from the vegetable to the meat to the fish and everything like that. Oh, wonderful. That sounds wonderful. It must be so fun for you when you see a new potential, a space, when you learn about a new community, when the weather is different, the climate's different, the people are different. You can then be forming ideas to shape that community. But, you know, I think it's interesting. You've opened 35 venues in cities all around the world. Is that right? Or is it more now? Uh, now I think you are even more than 40 because, you know, some... Wow. Uh, of course, we have uh, uh, the flagship store, the one, uh, the big one. And then we also have some concept in some country where, uh, like in Japan, in Japan, everything is super small uh, and we open a smaller concept just because it's almost impossible to have 4,000... Square meters in the center of the city, or for example, we are in Dubai, we are in Korea, we are in a smaller city where, of course, the size of a store like Torino in some way doesn't make any sense. But I think right now we are around 40 stores, and this year we are going to open other two stores one in Silicon Valley. This is the capital in San Jose. This is the capital of the Silicon Valley, and another one in in, in Italia, in Verona. Yeah. Oh, in Verona, how wonderful! Uh, what's fascinating is you've just mentioned some of those places around the world where people have different eating styles, different habits, different customs where the Italian population may not be that large, and yet this concept is proving successful. What is it about Italian gastronomy? that has such universal appeal, even in areas where there isn't a large Italian population. What do you think Italian gastronomy gives to the world? I think, you know, what we are very lucky, like a country, first of all, because we have a huge food biodiversity, one of the largest food biodiversity in the world. We are the largest internal uh, house uh, for cheeses. We have more variety of grapes than everybody else. We have more cultivar than everybody else. We are very famous for our charcuterie. And uh, of course, our cuisine is a very simple cuisine to replicate at home. Sometimes when I joke with, uh, with my wife that she's French, I say, Look, sometimes it is it's possible to make a, a food store without French product, but, but it's almost impossible to do the opposite. Of course, I'm joking, but you know, everywhere you go, you need a mozzarella, a pasta, a parmigiano, yes. a pizza. And you know, those products, we were lucky because of that. And also the, the quality price. Italy is very well known for having like high quality price, pretty affordable. 
and uh, and because we we are so diverse in the, in our history, say that's uh, in Italia there are a lot of uh, family producer in general, not just in the food but family business. We have so many different uh, product, and I have to say also we were lucky because we have a huge uh, immigration in the past. But uh, those immigrants, it's, uh, of course. Uh, a uh, long time ago when they have to escape Italia they, and we were like a farmer country, not an industrial country. We were out and we export our products. The most important, of course, was the pasta and the wine. I mean, in the US and, uh, you know, the famous uh, spaghetti meatballs uh, that is also in the filmography of uh, Lily El Vagabondo in the Disney movie. Yes. That's for real is a typical dish from Abruzzi. It was this uh, pasta, long pasta with a little polpette on the top. And the biggest wine that was exported in the US at this point was the Puciano d'Abruzzo. That is not a, that was easy to transport and uh, of course, the, the, the first immigrant, they arrive here, they cannot find the same product, the same meat, and they have to invent in some. Yes. I'm saying that because to make pasta at home is pretty easy to do. And everybody can learn quickly how to make a pasta. And also a good pasta or a bad pasta doesn't cost so much difference. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's and if you use the quality ingredients, then you'll get even better results. Now, these Italian values underpin everything in Italy. But I'm interested to to hear you saying that in every country, in every area, you work with the local suppliers, the producers of the best foods, cheeses, meats, preserves, fish, seafood, many other products. What does a product or a pers- producer have to be able to offer to make it into Italy? First of all, when we go outside Italia, we have to understand the rules and what is possible to export. The example in the US, we cannot export from Italia meat. We can export just a few kind of charcuterie, just the prosciutti and a few producers are allowed to export salami and whatever. What we do, we select and we import as much as we can from Italia, when it makes sense. But all the fresh products, we think that's important, they have to be local. Meat, fish, produce, vegetable, milk. But also what we like, we want to help the local community. As I say, everywhere we go, we try to find those producers, they are not struggling, but they need a help for the distribution because maybe they just sell to some uh, fancy restaurant or uh, something, uh, something like that. And we are able also to sell to the customer some product that's usually are not available in uh, the um, classic supermarket or maybe are just available in some... Uh, little mamas and papa store, but they usually are not in the center of the city where the people want to have that. Yes, of course. And this is the, 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 the beauty of our job and the beauty of uh, to be into an Italy. Everywhere you go, even in New York, this we have a two store, 
the store downtown and the store midtown, they have a different product and they have a different dishes. I, I like that uh, the fact that you you make you find a way to make each shop, each retail experience individual. And I think it's also interesting, Dino, that especially after these two years, when uh, certainly in many parts of the world uh, we've retreated to online shopping. You know that's become much more important. People are, you know, we're not venturing out of houses; they were buying online. But the joy, the pleasure of the retail experience in a place like Italy is really central to offering people a pleasure that you don't get when you're purchasing online. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, and you know, I, I, we do a lot of online uh, business and shipment, but uh, when you are talking about the fresh food, uh, it's always a little complicated, you know. And this is why we, we, more than online business, we like to say the digital business. Now, sometimes we, the, you are just sit home in a city where you are and you order, but the food is coming from the store. And I think there are two different business. One, when you are like super far away, and of course you can just receive those products. They can travel, let's say, are not super fresh, or you are in a city and, and there is just a delivery home. Oh, that's nice. So, so Italy will deliver to your home as well. Yeah, yeah. This is what we were doing a lot during the pandemic because, of course, we were open and you can order by phone, by message, by app, whatever, but you, we, were, you, we were bringing you home the products. You don't have to physically shop in the store and you can have whatever is available in the store if you are in a close radius. Of course, uh, if you are in uh, uh, five hours uh, by car, it's not possible. You can just order, I don't know, pasta, uh, wine, those uh, shelf-stable, let's say, shelf-stable uh, products and not the fresh one. Okay. But that's help, help a lot some small producer. Most of the producers they are working with, as I said before, they, they were just working with restaurants, and the restaurant they were they were closed. Of course, yes. And you know, we put those products in retail, and we help them. Those small producers they were not very distributed in in the supermarket to sell those to the customer. That was one of the projects that we did during the pandemic. Yeah. Well, Dino, it's been fascinating speaking with you today. I, I think that the Italy concept uh, is such an interesting one. Uh, I've been involved with slow food myself personally for many years. And to, you know, to see how uh, your life in slow food translated over to Italy uh, in communicating quality artisan products and also simply the pleasure of eating well uh, which is what it's it's about too is really uh, really of great interest and we have listeners all over the world for italian wine podcast so it's also nice that in many places people will be able to experience and find an italy and see for themselves and more importantly taste for themselves so, Dina, good luck with all your new ventures. I'm sure these are exciting times and Italy will continue to go places. I'll look forward 
to following the story myself. And I'll look forward to meeting you one day and sharing a glass of wine and a plate of pasta. Absolutely. I hope to see you in London. Okay. Good. When you're here, I'll, I'll come meet you. Thank you very much, Dino. Ciao a tutti. Grazie. Ciao, ciao, grazie. Arrivederci. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Please remember to like, share and subscribe right here or wherever you get your pods. Likewise, you can visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Until next time, chin chin. I'm Joy Livingston, and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love, and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production, and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests, and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.